are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? The always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist. I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos. And my graphic design for today's show, I want to talk to you guys about the D-backs a little bit, talk about an article that Dan Bigley wrote about uh, for Arizona sports about the Dimebacks, how it relates to this World Series. I want to talk about whether the Dimebacks should bring back Merrill Kelly, pick up his option, and I just want to talk about the World Series in general. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast, Locked on Dimebacks, to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDimebacks at gmail.com to find out more. And don't forget to go to rockauto.com and built bar because rockauto.com is the best place to shop for auto body parts for your car amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need go to rockauto.com and go to builtbar.com use promo code lockdown and you'll get 20% off your next order that's builtbar.com promo code lockdown for 20% off your next order all right I think I want to first start with some World Series talk because it was game one of the World Series last night. And how can we not? Uh, wow. Well, I mean, what can I say about last night's game? The Dodgers owned it from start to finish pretty much. Uh, the scoring started in the fourth thanks to a belly home run, Bellinger home run. But last night was really about the two or I guess the big three for the Dodgers. Kershaw, Bellinger, and Mookie Betts. Bellinger, as I just mentioned, had the home run. He had a pretty good night. He got the scoring started. He broke the tie in this game, or he didn't. Well, I guess he broke the scoreless tie. It was 0-0 before Belly hit a two-run shot that scored Max Muncy. But the Rays weren't done in the top of the fifth. They came back with their own solo shot by Kevin Kiermaier. So it was definitely a game through four innings. Through five innings, it was definitely a game, and... Dave Roberts didn't waste any time today taking out Clayton Kershaw when he felt like it was necessary. I thought they did a good job with Clayton Kershaw today. He had a phenomenal game last night in Game 1. There was no playoff Kershaw last night. He looked like regular season Kershaw last night, and good for him. Everyone's rooting for him, even though I would think the Dodgers would be villains. I mean, definitely for any NL West uh, opponent, they definitely think of the Dodgers as villains in this World Series. But I feel like the nation right now is rooting for the Dodgers. I don't really hear too much backlash against the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers were the NL version of the Yankees, another evil empire. I mean, look how many divisional pennants they've won in the last decade. Look how dominant they've been three of the last four World Series. Now, they don't have any World Series wins, but... I'm surprised so many teams are backing the Dodgers, and 
I get it. Clayton Kershaw is a nice guy, but I, I would think some people would kind of want to see this playoff Kershaw continue. I think it's a pretty funny narrative. I think it's a funny storyline. It's kind of like Peyton Manning. Like, playoff Peyton Manning was not that good. Pretty sure he had a losing record in the postseason, and he was really not effective most of his Super Bowl runs that ended up winning in the Super Bowl. He definitely wasn't that effective in a lot of those runs. So I think Kershaw and Peyton Manning have a lot of parallels, both all-time greats in the regular season. Maybe the greatest, but when it comes to the playoffs, they both falter a little bit. But last night, it was all Clay and Kershaw, six innings, two hits, one earned run, eight strikeouts. He did have a home run allowed to Kevin Kiermaier, but he was dealing last night straight up. He put all the whispers of disrespect and playoff Kershaw to bed, at least for game one. Game one is the least pressurized game. Yes, it's still the World Series. Yes, it's still big stakes. Yes, your legacy is on the line. But of any game we could have pitched, game one is always the least pressurized because if you do lose, you still have a lot more games to make up for. And baseball is definitely not a sport where the lead is necessarily ever safe in a playoff series. I mean, we just saw the Dodgers come back from 3-1. to one. Astros, Astros almost came back from a 3 nothing deficit. So I don't think your what, what your lead is in a playoff series definitely... I don't think that lead is, you know, secure. I don't think the team who is even up 3-1 to one is secure to win. So I think for the Dodgers, you could have lost one game. You could have lost the game one and been okay. But definitely having Kershaw on the mound, definitely having him dealing, and definitely having him looking like regular season Kershaw is the best scenario that you want to do. But for the Rays last night, Kevin Cash, you know, people are coming after him a little bit. He left Glassnow in there for a career-high 112 pitches. He wasn't effective last night. He still got his eight strikeouts because that's what he does, but six walks. He, he was struggling to locate. He was struggling to throw strikes. He had the six earned runs over four and a third inning, so he struggled last night. The Dodgers got to him. Bellinger, as I mentioned, got to him in the fourth. Mookie Betts uh, led off with a home run in the bottom of the sixth, and the Dodgers were just, were just pouring it on last night they ended up winning this game eight to three and I want to get to the final member of the Dodgers big three because I believe Mookie Betts I don't even think this is a hot take I don't even know how you can disagree with this statement right now Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball period I mean I know a lot of you guys would argue Mike Trout is the best player in baseball but what has he done in the postseason? I know I've done a, a good amount of Mike Trout rants on this podcast. I know I've had some guests on to debate the Mike Trout debate, but look at him versus Mookie Betts in the postseason because you really can't compare the two because Mike Trout is never there. Yes, I know some of it's the Angels' fault because they're a terrible organization, but Mike Trout chose to resign with the Angels. He could have left, and now you know what that means for Mike Trout? It means he's not going to have a playoff legacy because of it. Go look at the top 50 greatest players of all time. Go to ESPN.com and go look at their list of the top 50 greatest players of all time. Mike Trout has a worse postseason resume than every top 50 all-time great. So it's not even hyperbole. He has the worst postseason record of all of them. He has the worst postseason resume. Mike Trout has one hit in the postseason. No other top 50 all-time great has one hit in the postseason through a decade of their career. Mike Trout's not some 25-year-old player in his fifth season. Mike Trout's been in the league for about 10 years now. So Mookie Betts, what he's doing is what we would expect Mike Trout to do. But Mike Trout never gets to this situation. And look at Mookie Betts. If the Dodgers win this World Series, you can say 
say my, uh, Mookie Betts was the missing piece to a championship team. We've already seen this Dodgers team in the World Series twice in the last four years, and they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get over the hump. Now you add a guy like Mookie Betts, you just see what he does for the culture. You just see what he does for the mindset of the team, and he's a damn good baseball player. He's the best player in baseball because what he can do offensively, we've seen what he did in the regular season, 292 average, 16 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and he would be he's going to be MVP candidate in the regular season. Probably not going to win it. I don't think so at all, but he'll be MVP candidate in the regular season. Then what he did last night, he just does so many different things. He had the solo home run to lead off in the sixth inning, I believe. He had some great defensive plays. His base running was just phenomenal last night. Two stolen bases. And what he does when he's rounding bases, you know, uh, getting advances from first to third, going from first to home, second to home, better than anyone. He's just the best base runner in baseball. I think he just has the best IQ in all of baseball and I think he's just the best baseball player in all of baseball right now and I know a lot of you guys would probably think Mike Trout but where is Mike Trout he's never here on the big stage so it's hard to say Mike Trout's the best player in baseball when we don't see him when it matters the most and that's important to me uh, uh, to be the greatest of all time you have to do it in the biggest moments and you have to do it in the most pressurized moments and that's not something we've seen Mike Trout do just yet now he's still very young he's still only about 30 years old but Mookie Betts right now is the king of the world he's the king of baseball look what he's doing in this world series look at what he's done in this playoff run he's just owned the MLB playoffs and I think right now Mookie Betts is the best player in the world but the Dodgers, game two tonight, starting Tony Gonsolin versus Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays. Always want to call him Benny Snell because his name is just so close to the Steelers running back. But this should be a good one tonight for game two. Gonsolin's only a rookie right-hander, but he's been pretty good this year. Of course, Snell's a Cy Young Award winner, so we know how dominant he could be. Excited for game two tonight. Dodgers are, of course, in the driver's seat being up one nothing. but the Rays offense has to get it going. We know they love to be the payroll team. Look at us, only third highest payroll in baseball and in the World Series. Yeah, that's cute. That's nice to be the high, third highest, or excuse me, the third lowest payroll and be in the World Series. But when you're going against the Dodgers who have a stack payroll, they have a stack lineup, they have the best hitters, the best pitchers. I mean, the Rays have a, a great rotation too, but they don't got the lineup the Dodgers have, so they have to come out. They have to hit the Dodgers in the mouth early. Get Gonsolin out that game early, the first three innings. Get him out there. Go into that Dodgers bullpen earlier because it'll make a better success for you down the road in this postseason if you can extend the series and really get into that bullpen. So if the Rays want to win tonight, they need to put up at least three earned runs on the board in the first three innings of tonight's ball game. Now I'll get into that Dan Bickley comment. Whew, excuse me. Now I'll get into that Dan Bickley column about the Diamondbacks and how they relate to the World Series. But first, I want to tell you guys about BuiltBar.com. I struggled to, to say that for a second. I don't know why I couldn't get that line out. But let me tell you guys about BuiltBar.com because BuiltBar is back and more improved and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but they now have six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason why I love Bill Bars is because they're healthy. They are great for the health-conscious guy like me because I think that I'm eating a candy bar, but it's really a protein bar that's helping me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And get this, the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, but they're high-protein and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. 
If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And now let's talk about that Dan Bickley comp for Arizona sports because he was writing how there was, you know, parallels between the D-backs and this Rays team about just their lack of, you know, wanting to commit to the payroll, just about not wanting to spend too much money. And he's basically the, the, the theory in his article is both of these two teams came into baseball at the same time. They were both expansion teams in 1998. We think the D-backs are a better franchise because of what they did in 04. They won their World Series, but he's here to make the argument. Now that the Rays are in this World Series again, you could easily say the Rays have passed the D-backs as an organization. And I would say to that, Dan Bickley, I think the Rays passed the D-backs as an organization before this World Series. I mean, look at this Rays team over the last, what, decade? 15 years the Rays may not uh, the Rays may have only been to the one world series in what 08 09 uh in 08 they might have only been to the one world series in 08 but I think they've just been so much more of a competitive team than the Arizona Diamondbacks I mean divisional series in 2019 then they had a pretty long stretch I didn't realize there was such a long stretch of not making it to the playoffs but when they had Joe Madden you know they were going to multiple divisional series lost another world series I thought they were a really good team with Joe Madden I thought they were always the consistent playoff team they're kind of like the Oakland A's but a little bit more success as at least I would think because the A's never got past the wild card round but really what do the D-backs have since 04 since 04 I think the Rays have been the better team now maybe you do say the Diamondbacks have been a better franchise because of what they did excuse me I don't know why I keep saying 04 because of what the D-backs did in 01 I should say in 2001 I don't know why I was saying 2004 but since 2001, if we take away 2001, so we go from 02 to now, the D-backs have four playoff appearances where they never get past the championship series. And when they did make it to the championship series, one year they got swept. So it wasn't even a good season for them in the championship series. And when you look at the Tampa Bay Rays since 01, They've been to one, two, three, four, five, six. So not that, not many more than the D-backs, but they've been to two more World Series. They just seem like the better team, at least on paper. I feel like they've been more consistent and more competitive, even though the D-backs team are never a team that really bottoms out. Neither are Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, in 2018, Rays missed the playoffs. They won 90 games in 2018 and missed the playoffs. So if you can win 90 games, I'm still going to say you're a good team. I do not care if you miss the playoffs. 90 games should be good enough for the playoffs. And I just think right now the Rays are a better organization than the D-backs because the D-backs are trying to do what the Rays do. They're trying not to spend a lot of money on payroll, but they don't pick the right players like the Rays do. The Rays just have a better culture system and methodology in place like outlined by Dan Bickley and you can't disagree the Rays were great with Joe Madden and they just know what they want to do they want to build their team through pitching and their farm system they just you know basically turn out new quality starting pitchers every couple years from their farm system and then they go out there and they find those middling kind of players that you know may be overlooked but have great you know versatility or performers that play above their level than 
or, or play above their pay grade kind of guys like Ben Zobrist who could play all over the field but might not be that superstar kind of player so the Rays are definitely a team that's doing it right they're kind of like the Oakland A's but they're a bit better uh, at success I would want to say because the A's never get anywhere close to the hump they've never even been to a championship series I believe under Billy Bean I'm actually gonna look that up real quick because I think you'd be surprised like the lack of success honestly that Billy Bean has had even though there's been a whole uh, movie on him and I do think Moneyball is one of the best uh movies honestly baseball movies I mean they haven't been out of when did Billy Bean get take over I'm guessing uh around 04 I mean Billy Bean and the A's have one championship uh, appearance, one championship series appearance since 06, or not since 06, 06 was the one year they had a championship appearance, so since 05 really, they've had one appearance in the championship series, and then outside of that, they never got past the divisional series, so there's not a lot of success, but I digress, I want to get back on topic, because the D-backs are a team that needs to start taking tips and pointers from Tampa Bay about what to do. They need to learn not to shell out bad money. You can shell out money. You can spend money. But it has to be smart money. And D-backs don't usually spend smartly. They gave a huge contract to Zach Greinke. And maybe he was worth it. Maybe he is that kind of stud. But when you give out that kind of money, it's tough to see the return on investment. Especially when you don't have the kind of team that should be handing out that kind of money. I'm okay with the Yankees giving now that kind of contract to Garrett Cole when they believe they're a World Series contender. And they when they believe they have a, a team good enough to win the World Series. The D-backs didn't do that when they had Zach Greinke, and they bit the bullet because of it, but I didn't mind the Madison Bumgarner deal, even though it already looks like an albatross contract and already looks awful. So D-backs are going to have to try and do something to get rid of that Madison Bumgarner contract. I don't know what it is. You're going to have to eat a lot of money, but D-backs can't keep compounding their problems. They'll make a mistake like handing out one of these big deals, and then they'll try to recorrect the mistake by doing another boneheaded deal like trading Paul Goldschmidt to start lowering the luxury tax. So you can't hand out big deals to bad players and then trade your good players to get prospects because I just don't believe in prospects. I'd rather have proven commodity. And that's why I want to segue to this next topic because D-backs have an option for Merrill Kelly next season. It's only about $4 million. And right now his health is a concern. But if you saw his D-backs rotation this year, you would know Merrill Kelly was easily the best pitcher uh, in this rotation outside of Zach Allen. It wasn't even close. Merrill Kelly was by far the best pitcher outside Zach Allen. And right now, I don't know if the D-backs are going to pick up his option. He's dealing with, you know, he's coming off that surgery. We don't know if he's going to be healthy, but... He's only going to be $4.25 million. I think it would be a travesty. It just falls right in line with not giving out the contracts that need to be given out. And an option like that is not that much money. The D-backs can definitely afford that, and they should for a guy who is their second-best pitcher this season. $4 million is nothing. And we already saw Luke Weaver, Baumgartner. They were not good this season. Now, I still have hope that maybe Caleb Smith could be good. I still like Taylor Clark. Alex Young was a little disappointing this season, but you never know next year. So D-backs should definitely pick up the option on Merrill Kelly. And they need to start spending their money smarter. Spending money on Merrill Kelly for at least by picking up his option would be smart money spent. But don't compound the problem by trying to, by trying to trade now one of your better players to to you know make up for that massive Bumgarner deal. Wait on massive Bumgarner, see what the market holds, and maybe you could trade him. You're probably gonna have to eat up a lot of his salary 
but you never know. There could be someone out there in desperate need of a starting pitcher, and Bumgarner was not terrible in his last two starts of the season. I don't think he gave up any earned runs in his last two starts of the regular season, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he's moving back in the right direction, and it was a better sign for things to come, but his velocity definitely needs to return if he wants to return to form, but so many things the D-backs have to do in this offseason. Big offseason for the Diamondbacks in my case. And I'm very I'm very curious to see what the Diamondbacks do to clean up their problems that they had in the regular season in 2020. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow where I'll have, of course, Game 2 coverage. Talk about the World Series. Uh, come back tomorrow because it's the Diamondbacks podcast, Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. That means it's your team every day with the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!